Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Sharptaw. C70 of the Bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. It is winter warm-up weekend, so we thought we'd get back in the swing of things, even if we're not sure we're really back in the swing of things yet. We're kind of just kind of feeling our way. It's not, it's not I mean, it's mid-January, and that's great. And the weather's not been bad, so it's not like... There's, well, for us, there's not much snow on the ground or anything like that. Um, but it's still, for me, it's still at that time where I can't really get too fired up about the next season just quite yet. Agreed. I mean, I think even early, early spring training for me is a little bit like, all right, what are we really doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's here, but is it, but but what do we make of any of this? So at this point, yeah, winter warm-up is great because you start to see some players, you start to hear them talking about the season that's upcoming and get a feel for some of the work that's been done. But for me, this is almost always just like a fun fluff everybody up to talk them about baseball again, but don't really get a ton of information out of it kind of weekend. Everybody's going to say they're in the best shape of their life. Everybody's going to say we really like our team. Everybody's going to say everything's going to be wonderful. And that's all good and well. Um, but it it is a little bit difficult to buy in a whole lot to anything, good, bad, or otherwise, because it's January. And, you know, you can feel great in January and not ever play in a regular season game so that doesn't do much for me (laughs) yeah i mean i think this the stuff not to be a debbie downer though by the way that just (laughs) that felt very very negative when i finished that sentence (laughs) yeah it it, uh, that's fair i guess i mean i think we know to take everything we see especially this weekend with a grain of salt right i mean it is right you've got the media there asking questions so i it's not like it's completely like a pre-packaged fluff piece, right? I mean, Katie Wu, Derek Gould, all the, they're, they're there asking questions, but they're still not, they're not really getting into the deep dives that they're going to do in Jupiter, right? I right. mean, they're, they're not, they're asking some surface questions, getting some in it, you know, just really kind of probably for most of these reporters, you know, these guys making connections again, you know, just, trying to hey how how was your winner what's do you know what's what's you doing differently you know we surprisingly this year did not seem to have any remarkable haircuts um to discuss <laughs> which is um sometimes been interesting at Don't get forever. yeah yeah <laughs> uh how, how could we forget that that hair we cannot um, no, and I mean, and now even Harrison Bader's not there so uh, you true, know true. Who, who, who picks up the hair mantle that's a good question. I don't know. There's nobody else with like a really obvious um, attention drawing kind of hairstyle. So I don't know. You know, it would be really interesting to see someone show up to spring training with long flowing locks. But uh, I'm not I'm not entirely sure who that might be. It's going to have to be a pitcher, doesn't it? Don't you yeah. Think? Yeah. But yeah, this I'm, is a, I'm rolling this... through. I mean, Miles Michaelis occasionally will will uh, have some luscious curls but yeah. otherwise I'm, I'm rolling through the the visual rolodex and nobody stands out which is i mean that might be a problem um, john was like should really be. get on that i mean i don't <laughs> then again given how john get pitched maybe they, I mean, this is the new marketing had efficiency. to pitch like every day 
for the whole first half of that one season. Uh, it might have been better on him. Maybe but, you know that's fair. You know. That's fair. But they may have they may have done the research, done the analytics, and said short cropped <laughs> is where it's at. That's true. Um, and you know now we've got people that have like uh-huh. almost no hair. So yes. the hair is a uh, is um taking away from their skill set perhaps. Right. Interesting. I, mean, I would I'd like to see the the numbers on that. Although, well, I think I think you know, if you want to talk about it, and, and I'm really not at all serious here, but I'm gonna pretend like I am. Um, look at what Harrison Vader did when he went to the Yankees. This is true. You know, this is true. At, as did Matt Carpenter. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, the Luigi mustache was kind of freaking me out, though. Uh, yeah, that's fair. So I don't, know. I don't know Where if I'd recommend that. But did he sign with? Who did Carpenter sign with? Giants. The the. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I a... felt very confident for half a second, and then realized, <laughs> nope, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. Let me let me uh, find it. Go on. I'll I'll look it up. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, I was trying to. But, Unless uh, you got it. Unless you got. No, it. No, I don't have it just yet. I thought he signed with somebody, but I may be wrong. Um, that's what that's what we get to this end. anyway um as you're looking that up we will talk about a different mat um the you padres. know blessed padres i was padres. very very close very close San Francisco giants and the they both got brown there i'm very yeah, same no. division okay yeah padres that makes sense right um so last time we did the show the cardinals had just announced um the staff changes and stuff like that i think um and we didn't i don't think we'd had a chance to talk about the people that had come in um which means we never got a chance to talk about holiday as a hitting coach um because the the biggest news of winter warm-up came before winter warm-up started in that holiday had decided to resign from his position and they signed um joe McEwing, hired joe McEwing to be the bench coach um so, what did you, I mean, I was a little bit surprised that Holiday took the job in the first place because, yeah. you know, he does have kids still coming through college and high school, and he's talked about so much about wanting to be a part of that progression for them that I was really su- surprised that he decided to, to take on this. And I guess... Maybe I gave it more thought than he did. I don't know. What, what is this is a little strange. <laughs> no, I, I felt exactly the same way. I was, I was not shocked that they asked because he has no. been a bit vocal about saying, "Hey, this is something I would like to do in the future." Um, I was surprised not only that he said yes, but that he said yes so quickly. I I Uh thought it would be a bit of a longer process to say, "Okay, let me take a little time, think about this, talk to the family, etc." Um, and it didn't happen that way at all. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was, um, surprised when it happened the way that it did. I will say, I can't say I'm surprised. I I can't say I'm not surprised by the news in January that he's just like, never mind. I changed my mind, but I'm also not surprised that he changed his mind. Right. If that makes sense. So Yeah unexpected news not for an unexpected reason simply because um i felt like as much as he had spoken about it as something he'd like to do in the future every time i had heard him speak to that it was very much a in the future 
when I am not dealing, you know, with wanting to be there for my own children as, you know, consistently like, you know, when they're, when they're grown, when they're out, when he's not taking them to practice and wanting to go to their games and those kinds of things. Um, that was always the indication that I had was that when his home life, uh, afforded him a little bit of a different situation, then he would be very interested. So, um, look, I would have loved to see what happened with Matt Holiday. Uh, in the ears of some of these hitters, because I think that he's very baseball savvy in in those terms. But I will never fault someone for choosing their family over a job, no matter what the job is. And so I think, you know, for him to have a comfort level with the organization that allowed him to take the job and a few months later or a month later, whatever it was, uh, call him back and say, you know what? <laughs> I should have thought about this a little longer. I don't think I can do it right now for there to be that kind of uh, communication open, I think is great. And I I applaud him for recognizing where he is at at his life at this point and prioritizing what's the most important to him. Um, You know, you can't get those moments back with your own kids and your own family. And, and so sure a bit of a disappointment from a fan perspective, because I just, of course we all went, wow, it'll be really great to have Matt holiday back around but not a disappointment in him or in his decision in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there was some story or someone, one of the write-ups about the story when he got hired somewhere along the way, I heard that they had reached out to him, you know, last year, um, instead of before the hired Skip Schumacher and he turned it down. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have been that he felt like they asked him twice. They might not ask a third time. <laughs> um, and he decided he better get on that. And I, I got to admit that there's probably a little bit of a pull for him of being there for Adam Wainwright's last year. Right? right. I mean, he got to see from a distance Yachty and Albert's last ride and how much fun, right. how exciting that was. And well, and, had to, and to some... see Skip Schumacher have the chance to experience it in that seat. Right. 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 Um, so, yeah, you put those things on the scale and I think immediately you, you you feel like, okay, this is the time. But then the closer and closer you get to it, it I mean, it's, it's also one of those things that you probably say, okay, I'm going to say this. And by the time we get to February, I'm going to feel really good about it. And right. the closer it gets, the more he's like, man, I really wish I didn't have to go. And then he realized he made a lot of money in his career and he doesn't really have to go. <laughs> so, have to. <laughs> that's right. He's got I mean, a red who jacket. Among us, who among us hasn't had a work thing that we were fine with until it got closer and then we started dreading it. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just fortunately in a position and had, um, yes, of course, turning the money down would not be as easy for everyone. But, you know, again, I won't fault someone for prioritizing their family. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, you're right. It's not in a situation where he is like burned to bridges in the organization. The organization was right. fine with it too. I think they would have been a little bit more frustrated if they had done that in spring training or yes. as the season started or something like that. And might've been, okay, no, we expect you to, you know, make it through this year. Then, then we'll do it. You know, that's fine. Well, that that's a great point. I think, um, because, it, perhaps as soon as he realized, you know what, I really don't think I can do this. He gave them that heads up. And while yes, it's, it's short notice. Um, it wasn't an impossible time to, to go out and, and find someone. 
a short personal anecdote that relates. My high school volleyball coach, <laughs> my junior year, um, had us all excited. We were, you know, preseason was great. He we he was a new coach and we knew he was good, had a lot of experience, a lot of, uh, um, you know, skill to translate and communicated well. Uh, literally the day either before or of our first volleyball game, he called us and was basically like, hey, I'm, I got another job. I'm leaving. <laughs> and uh, the rest of the season was doomed. <laughs> so yeah. um, not that it would have gone that poorly, but uh, no, I, I, I think it's a great point that you made, though, that it isn't an ideal time, but it's a better time than a month and a half from now. Or, you know, you get into the, the season a couple of weeks and you start traveling for the first time and he goes, oh, this is not this is not it. And then, you know, you're back to square one. So yeah. it, in that regard, yes, <laughs> better now than then. <laughs> yeah. And it's I mean, we don't know how jobs are assigned. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the role of a bench coach when it was Mike Schilt is probably different than when it was Skip Schumacher, which is different than what it's going to be for Joe McEwing or whatever the case would be. Cause there may have just some of the jobs or the titles, some of the responsibilities are the same. Some may get pushed around, but you know, bench coach does feel like the easiest thing to replace. Yeah. You know, when you look at it outside and you're not having to fight a kidding coach, you don't have to fight a pitching coach. You don't have to try to get somebody that works with your philosophy or anything like that. It's like, the bitch coach is kind of that sounding board, I think, for the most part. And, you know, it's not that hard to find a, you know, an ex big leaguer that, you know, can be that. I mean, you have to have rapport with the manager, of course, but, you know, um, I, and that'll be interesting because I think that, you know, John McEwing was probably out of the organization before Ollie Mormal came along. I, I don't no. know that for a fact. I'd have to look it up, but, um, you know, McEwing's had a pretty good effect. This is really kind of interesting because McEwing may be the, even though he has cardinal ties, maybe the most outside <laughs> of the organization hire that this club has seen in 30 years uh, for any position, you know, almost, um, because he's got experience in so many different orgs. And I may, may be exaggerating because Skip Schumacher had some of that too, but right. um, to, to see if they can even, you know, does this matter? Does this bring in something new to this culture or how they approach things that it might be interesting to see yeah well look it it won't hurt to have someone in a position where maybe they're not making the final decisions but they can be a, a voice that's not just the same echo chamber that's always there day in and day out and mm -hmm. that's primarily what we've been sort of clamoring for from the outside looking in is not necessarily and i i would go further than that and say not at all someone who's going to come in and just be like this isn't how we do things anymore we're going to change everything um mm -hmm. but rather someone who could push back on the status quo a little bit and say, well, okay, I know this is how we've done things, but I've done this over here in this way and it created this result. Could we try some of that here and at least just be a different voice and a different perspective, um, which has, has seemed to not be the case, at least publicly. But again, we've also seen uh, multiple members of the staff in multiple off seasons let go for uh, philosophical differences. So perhaps the pushback is not really wanted um, or when it does happen, it, it doesn't go over well. So it, it'll be interesting to see. It sounds like Ewing's really excited to be there. 
um, in fact, spoke to the possibility of moving on to something other than baseball until the Cardinals called and mm-hmm. gave him another opportunity, which just from the the warm fuzzies side of thing is really cool. And to see someone who gets a chance to do something they've always dreamed of and, and will, you know, go out there and publicly say, I really want to be a piece of this. Um, it, it's fun. And it's that's the kind of things that people say at winter warm up that really jazz everyone up and and they buy into whatever the changes are and it gets everybody excited for the season so i'm excited for him and you know hopefully if holiday is ready at some point down the line um then we can see what he's capable of in that role or any other role as well yeah mcgillian was always one of those guys that they kept thinking was going to be a manager someday right Um, much like jose akindo right i mean the same kind of guy where he He'd go on interviews or be that kind of guy that they talked about, but never really seemed to get, you know, never seemed to get the, do- the job. Um, just looking it up, I see he spent 15 years with the White Sox, which seems incredible to, to think about. But, um, you know, he's he's done his job, and he's been in baseball a long, long time now. So, um, yeah, I will say the, the quote from John Mosellock in talking about getting him on such short notice where he says, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> doesn't inspire a ton of confidence (laughs) um but i I don't think that's the point he was trying to make he was uh, speaking at least in the context of the article i read more or less in terms of yeah it's not great to to try to be finding someone at this point of the year um you know when you're only a couple of weeks from going to to jupiter but beggars can't be choosers and i think it worked out well for us still probably not the term i the not the phrasing i would have used (laughs) Try to stick away from this idea of we really aren't that excited, but uh, we'll <laughs> we didn't really anyway. have a choice. But he yeah. was available, so <laughs> he was a free agent and uh, didn't cost us anything. So that's uh, <laughs> that's what we had to do. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I don't know about Mo. Sometimes uh, you know, um, sometimes and he says things, and he's so calculated and so intentional yeah. that when he says things that I kind of, you know, tilt my head at, it's like. What? Wait, did you did you mean to say that, <laughs> or well, was that did that sound different in your head than it sounded out loud? That's very possible, <laughs> but that goes back to you again. The the postseason press conference where he talked about that payroll was going to go up, you know, making this uh, you know emphatic point that from you know that most of us took to mean oh they're going to actually you know be aggressive in spending, mm-hmm. and then you know he comes in to winter warm up and said well payroll went up. I mean, to some degree, it was accounting, yeah. you know, accounting ledger mundane because uh, of, uh, you know, not counting deferrals that we would have, mm-hmm. but, you know, all that stuff. Um, and part of it's just, it just inched up. Um, so it's true. Technicalities. N- yeah. Not exactly the thing that you well, would have, you know, put your stamp on there, you think, at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, and just so that I, I don't get accused of. Uh, you know, wanting everyone fired or misquoting right. things. Let me read this quote so that I get it correct before I move on to the payroll conversation. He said, I really feel like we're thrilled that we could end up with Joe given the short notice and the fact that, look, in three and a half weeks, we're down in Jupiter. Beggars can't be choosers, but I can tell you that as far as it is coming out on the positive side of this, I think we did. That sentence doesn't actually make sense, no. but <laughs> I get what he was trying to say. I still would have chosen a different... Um, phrase uh nonetheless i wanted to you know say that correctly so that i don't um get accused of misrepresenting him or anything (laughs) um no on the payroll thing look (laughs) i think when they came out and said hey our payroll is gonna go up 
there was some sort of widespread Cardinals Nation excitement that, whoa, they don't usually come out and say things like that. So this must be different. Yep. And then there was the reality where, you know, it's like, hey, we tried. I mean, we tried to pay somebody. It just didn't work out. Um, <laughs> that that leaves you going, well, yeah, okay, technically, sure, your payroll might have gone up. Um, did it go up the way that you or anyone else expected after that statement? That's going to be a no. And look, you know, you said it earlier, John Mozeliak saying, oh, I'm really, I really like this team. I'm really happy with this team. Well, you put it together. So then to say, oh, our payroll is going to go up and then get to this point and go, well, I mean, it technically did, but, uh, you know, there's there's wiggle room for later. It just, yeah, I don't know. It's, look, it's winter warm up. Don't put a lot of stock into these things. But when you set yourself up like that, I mean, you kind of have to be prepared for people to not be super pumped about your, you know, accounting um, manipulation that shows your numbers in a different light than even you would have represented them earlier. So look, the Cardinals didn't go out and add what they thought they might go out and add. Uh, Contreras is going to be interesting, but I don't know that that vaults them to a totally different level. Their pitching is still a, a, <laughs> a weird equation and, and hopefully a, a formula that can come out, um, in a, a positive way at the end of things, but there are no real guarantees there. And um, so to, to say we're going to raise payroll, we're going to bring some guys in and then kind of not uh, it's a, another one of those moments where, yeah, it seems like John was said something because he thought they were going in a particular direction. Um, but the, the market didn't go the way he wanted it to. And he would still rather look foolish for saying something like our payroll is going to go up and it doesn't really, um, than to make a bad business decision. And so he's going to stand pat and not make a bad business decision or what he perceives to be one. And that's the kicker, right? I mean, we don't want them to make a bad right. decision. We don't necessarily want them to just throw money around. I mean, if they had given, you know, $300 million to, you know, me, then yeah, payroll would have gone up and I would have been fine with it, but I don't think the fan base would have been all that excited. Um, I I wouldn't have passed a physical either, so it's okay. Um, (laughs) Well, you and Carlos Correa have something in common. Exactly. Um, No, I I would also though uh, make clear in my mind that there's a difference between a bad business decision and a bad baseball decision, right? It can be a a great baseball decision that costs you more money than you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. It could be a super great business deal that's a, a, a steal of a contract that doesn't really move you on that sort of baseball success scale. So, you know, in his mind, maybe they're one in the same. And I think if I was saying this to him face to face, he would say, well, yeah, they're th- the same thing in my, in when I when I talk about that, because a good baseball decision is good for business. And I understand that. But I do think that the the priority is different when you're talking about what's great for baseball and what's great for business. They're not always going to line up perfectly. We've been in the room enough times with Mo. I can actually sort of hear him phrasing some is response it weird to that, that I question. did that too. And that's yeah. what I was like, well, I like actually so, so can see him. Responding what do we to think me. about decisions? <laughs> when we're talking about decisions. 
you know, when we look at that, um, we've got to look at it from, I mean, we've, we've been yeah, there, you know, uh, but um, yeah, you're, you're right. And, and I think there are times where that's what we've continued to, as fans, nudge them to make, we don't, I don't think we want them to make a bad business or a bad baseball decision, but I think we would nudge them to make a baseball decision that might not be a great business decision. Right. You know, I mean, it might not be the most efficient way to win 90 games and get beat in the first two rounds of the first two <laughs> games of playoffs. Um, but, you know, maybe it pays off, you know, and I, you know, the other thing Mo said is, look, we looked at some players and they, and they weren't excited about coming here because they didn't know about their playing time, which I mean, these are obviously not all-stars because hell, all-stars are going to play, right? And that is one of the the problems with this team is that there's a slew of good players. So it makes it hard to get a replacement for that, right? And it's hard for a guy to come in and say, I'm going to take Dylan Carlson's job and I'm going to be able to play 150 games because I'm going to take his job. Whereas the club's like, no, Dylan Carlson's going to play. We want you to play like, you know, 75, 80, 90 games, or maybe play 120 games with in three positions or, or something like that. And, you know, there's some people that just aren't wanting to, you know, necessarily come in to compete or try to, they want a role. And this team doesn't always have the opportunity to do that. And, I can see why, you know, by now most like, okay, we'll just stick with what we have internal. There's no reason to go out and get a free agent that's just as good as what we've got coming up with what we've got coming up having better upside. Yeah. And that's it's an interesting position to be in. And I don't really fault him for saying, okay, I don't want to make a move that is not going to make us better or is only going to marginally make us better and cost us a lot more money, right? If you're going to make right. a move, make a move that matters. Um, you know, I think it's interesting, this idea of a business decision versus a baseball decision. And when you just said, you know, you can win 90 games and, and lose in the first round of the playoffs. Look, I think there is something to that in on the business side of things, right? Because from a front office perspective, we've asked for years, how are they defining success? Mm. Are they defining success by being in contention for the playoffs? Are they defining success by making it and being one of the playoff teams? Or are they defining success as a team that is not just has the potential to, but the, a team that actually is competing for a World Series title? And I think there is some, perhaps in some ways, that's where the business versus baseball decision path veers. Right. Because if you go all in on the big risky business decisions and spend a lot of money thinking we're going to compete for a World Series title, we all know that once you get to the playoffs, there's no guarantee of that. So that's a larger business risk than saying, hey, we're going to make sure that we have good or great players in as many positions as we can so that we're very likely to win 90 games compete for a, a, a division title and make it to the playoffs. And then once you get in, anything can happen, but we're not going to take an extra business risk in order to try to guarantee more of a baseball result. And maybe that's where the path 
goes in two different directions a little bit. Obviously, <laughs> I'm not in that room, so I'm clearly making this up from the outside. But I could see that being where there's a difference in sort of how fans define success on a baseball level. <laughs> And how a team can still want baseball success, but look at the business risk a little bit differently. And that comes back into play when you're talking about what players are you adding and what players are you not adding. Um, it's interesting to hear while players are hesitant to come to St. Louis because of their playing time, which, again, like you said, means they're not talking to exponentially better talent. <laughs> they're talking to guys who maybe are good enough to start somewhere but probably not better than one of the starters already in St. Louis. And I immediately thought of Andrew Kisner. <laughs> if Andrew yeah. Kisner played for any other team or was a free agent, why would he want to sign in St. Louis? Now he can say all the right things. And he did it at winter warmup. He has said everything that he is supposed to say about wanting to help the team win and, and, you know, not worrying about his role and all uh, Contreras is going to make us better. All these things. But I mean, he can say that. And we also know he's human <laughs> and is probably thinking, really? <laughs> I mean, I, I love being here, but I would like to play more consistently. And given the opportunity, he could somewhere else. So it sort of resonates a bit when you're thinking about it in, in those terms. Could Andrew Kisner be a starting catcher somewhere else? Maybe. I, I'm sure that there's a team that where he would be the one to win out in that job. Is he that guy in St. Louis when you're talking about Contreras versus Kisner? No, at least most likely not. Now, will he share more time with Contreras than he did with Molina? Probably so. <laughs> but oh, yeah. that's that's not a not a bar you want to be measured against. <laughs> um, so it, it it's an interesting part of the equation for John Mazalak in trying to bring in talent that does make them better, that doesn't push them too far over a limit they're uncomfortable with on the financial side of things, but I still would circle back to this. Don't kind of give everyone this false hope that you're going to raise the stakes and take more of a risk and then only talk to players who are, you know, marginally better if at all than the players you're <laughs> already paying to, to be on the team. It just, it feels like it doesn't quite match up to, um, you know, the, the groundwork that was laid early on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see. And, you know, and again, it boils down to, you know, the, then Mosaic says, okay, well, we've got, I think the bandwidth is what he used this time, but it's, you know, the dry powder is what we typically use. Um, you know, we've got more of that this year. You know, we're, we're positioned to take on more at the trade deadline, except that when we get down to the trade deadline, <laughs> it's going to be, well, one, I don't know what is going to be available. I mean, I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know who's, you know, all that. But also, it's going to be, well, they were asking for too much prospects, you know, prospect-wise. I you feel know. like Mo wants somebody. Remember a couple of years ago when so many players were unsigned going into spring training and like mm -hmm. weeks into, a couple of weeks before the start of the season, so many guys were unsigned. Right. Um, I feel like that's the market John Mosellek is waiting for, <laughs> where he can just like <laughs> swoop in and be like, ah, you don't want to not play, do you? Well, I have an offer for you. Um, but the same thing so, is true at the trade deadline. When we were there last year um, for the blogger day, and it was mm -hmm. shortly before the trade deadline, he essentially said in that conversation, look, the, the, 
price point is higher the closer you get to the trade deadline because everyone knows they can use it as leverage. So why would I make a move then? <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> what do you want, man? You won't pay off season prices. You don't want to make a move at the trade deadline. So I don't know when you're expecting this magical, perfect trade to happen. Um, but the same is true for signing players, you know, uh, on in free agency as well. So it's just, I, I would love to have like an at length conversation with Mo to just try to understand his, um, his, his real approach to that, not his public facing approach to that. Because when he does speak to it, it doesn't often make a lot of sense. No, it's, it's difficult. And again, it, you know, we do tend to, you know, maybe discount or not point out the, you know, the goals from it in our auto trades were big. Oh, sure. Yeah. Moves. That, and then there's the Asuna trade, which was a big move. It just didn't work out well, but still there are, there have been moves that have been impressive, I guess, at least in, at the time. Um, it's just that they're, you know, few and far between and they seem to be, the only thing they do, right? I mean, they... well, and I would also say, look at both of those moves that that we've just talked about. Um, in one, everyone thinks that the Diamondbacks got fleeced well, yeah. in that trade, and in the other, everyone knows that the Rockies got fleeced because they paid for like the first year and a half of of Nolan Arenado <laughs> playing in a different city. So it, it furthers the point that John Mazalak is looking for the unicorn deal. And unless he finds a unicorn deal, he's probably not going to make it. And that's fine in terms of, I get it. Everyone wants that deal. And maybe he's really good at pulling off that deal. It just doesn't come around that often. So you can yeah. hang your hat on those deals that you've done in the past, but those aren't going to make you better in the future. And that's sort of where it gets a little tricky from a from an outside perspective from a fan perspective because you're right he has made those trades happen and we've all looked back and and gone i can't believe he pulled that off but if that's the only kind of move you're willing to make you're just not going to make very many of them right yeah i mean the goldschmidt thing was i mean yeah there could somebody else could have gotten in on that but you traded some spare parts and got a guy that is an MVP now. Yeah. Um, I will never not be convinced that Nolan Arenado was not going anywhere about St. Louis. Um, I think that he told the, the Rockies that that's the only place he would accept a trade to. And that's what, you know, they took what they could get from the Cardinals, right? Because <laughs> I mean, that trade doesn't make no, I'm mean, trying to make much sense on the face no. of it anyway, but it makes no sense if somebody could have come in here. I mean, the Dodgers could have come in and said, we'll pay the whole salary and give you nothing. And right. they'd have been better off than what they got out of the Cardinals. So I just feel like, um, you know, and so neither one of those deals were hard deals to do i guess that's what i i mean and i, I say that you know like we can, we're armchair gms yeah, we can right. Do, mm. right but they were not they were not painful trades to make and they were thumb on the scale type of things cardinals had an advantage um probably be in both of those definitely in the colorado trade so yeah if you're looking at and i don't know is most is mo a little gun shy after the azuna trade 
you know, because that was the last trade that was probably, I mean, even at the time, right, we thought it was a good trade because the mm-hmm. Cardinals had all this pitching and, you know, send four pitchers, send four players to the Marlins. What are the odds anybody's going to turn it to anything good? Yeah. Apparently very good. <laughs> uh, they were 50-50 since, <laughs> since you mm-hmm. got Zach Guy in and um, Sandy Alcantara. But, um, you know, so, but that was at least, they were they were competing against other people for that one, right? I mean, they were competing, mm-hmm. you know, they tried to make the Stanton trade, but I feel like they pretty much knew that even if they could get that trade done, Stanton wasn't going to waive it. Right. Um, so I feel like that's a little bit different too. So, you know, you know, does that, does that in fact, I don't know. Um, but it, you know, I, I don't think you have to go out and, you know, hit a double every once in a while. Right. right. I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe a triple, yeah, exactly. um, you know, heck put four or five singles together, you know, and not every trade has to be a home run. And, um, well, and look, the, the positions on the Cardinals roster right now that need most upgraded, uh, you could have a conversation about that. And, you know, are you going to upgrade over Tommy Edmond? Are you going to upgrade over, uh, you know, you're not Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado? You right. upgraded a catcher. You, you know, which of these positions are you going to decide, hey, we're willing to give some to get something in return? It's going to have to be maybe not an MVP, but you're right. Some piece or a, a couple of pieces that just shift things a bit to maybe fit together in a different way. Um, but that's the other piece of this, right, is that this is a Cardinals front office that will always believe in their own guys to a greater degree than anyone else. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just, again, sort of limits your options when you think that Lars Nupar, as charming and lovable and demonstrative as he is, (laughs) um, is likely to be the difference maker for your team this year or not. And if he's not, then is there someone out there who could be a difference maker for the team this year? That that doesn't seem to be the way these conversations go, at least in terms of um, perceived value. And, you know, that, that just creates a, a really limited um, operating window, I guess, for making any sort of changes. If you're not convinced that there's someone better out there than the people you already have on the roster um and if there's not then that's great but they should be winning you know the world series not getting bounced in the first round <laughs> we will see how things go we might be maybe mobile surprises with the deals it's also fair to note that mosaic contract is up at the end of the year um <laughs> i know he said he's had some discussions with build a wit and want to make a big deal out of it but, you know, I asked him this last year at Blogger Day, you know, this idea that five, five, six years ago now, when he was moved up to be president of baseball operations, you know, he was supposed to be like the big picture guy and Gersh was supposed to be this day-to-day guy. And between the, you know, between the, between the transition of that, then the coronavirus coming along and he just didn't feel like he could handle that off. It's never really happened. And so you wonder, you know, is this a situation where this is like the time to do it? Is this the time to move Mo into a different position and let 
Gersh and Flores and all those guys take a shot at it. I mean, yeah. again, it's not that Mo can't do the job because he's he's in line with what Bill DeWitt wants, right? Sure. I mean, so it's not like changing the guard would change the results a lot, but it would be interesting to see if maybe things look a little different this time next year. Well, and look, we're having the same conversation about the front office that they're presumably having about the guys on the field, right? Is there someone they could bring in that would take them to the next level? I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's the same kind of back and forth that I I presume they're having about players all the time. And, you know, that's the only other thing I would say is, look, well, two things. One, I love Lars Newbar. Don't come at me about the the Newbar comment. <laughs> um, apparently, he's been making great strides in the offseason as well. So I would love to see him be the difference maker for this team. Um, but, you know, the the other piece of this is we just we just don't know. Right. We don't know what the conversations are. We don't know what's really going on in the offices. All we know is what they say publicly and then what they do publicly. And quite often the the two don't seem to align at least not in the way that we feel like they should based on what is said um and you know that's why these early season winter warm-up even the very beginning of spring training it's kind of like huh well that's an interesting choice in in how you went about discussing this uh change or, or lack of change um and honestly it all comes down to what the guys do on the field Right. At the end of the day, if they win, mm-hmm. no one's going to care <laughs> who right. was on the roster and who wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that is true. That is true. Um, we've got a little long and I didn't, we could have gone into the arbitration stuff. They settled with most everybody except for Helsley and Hennessy Cabrera, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, that should be, should be fun, but we probably don't have to, you know, people don't want to talk about the finances of the game. So we'll, we'll skip that. Um, <laughs> Tarot, I'll be back with you at some point, probably once the team gets back to Jupiter and we have more things to talk about. But until then, for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.